could Sepp Kuss win another Grand Tour if he rode for a different team than Jumbo Visma? Yes. Was Love Welta the least entertaining Grand Tour of the season? No. Was Jorain Thomas the biggest disappointment of this Vuelta? Yes. Will Primoz Roglic leave Jumbo Visma when his contract expires? Hmm. Yes. I've got the sparse, the sickness. There's the twins in my brain. GC Kuss is real and he's a Grand Tour winner. The Eagle of Durango held on in the third week as his own team seemed to attack him at times. But in the final stages, it became clear that Vingago and Roglic were content with letting their loyal super domestique take a well-deserved career-altering win. The Grand Tour season is over, but we'll keep going for another few weeks with the Domestique Cycling Podcast. I'm Bram, and I'm joined by Yves and Dieter, who I'm happy to report is wearing a t-shirt this week. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Good evening. Hello. <laughs> uh, we're recording right after Stage 21 finished. Were you able to watch it? I've seen yes. the last 10 Ks, but I've just followed the race with uh, updates on Domestic Life. And it was something extraordinary in a final stage of a Grand Tour. It's always always known as a ceremonial thing, pictures, champagne or cava or whatever, and then a classic sprint. Mm-hmm. But right now, I saw I saw the interview of Ghana right now. Even uh, Pool came to him asking, "Let's go for an attack." Um, and Ghana thought he was making a joke. But then it turned out Evenepoel wasn't joking around and he was <laughs> going for the stage. Uh, yeah. He was caught, but... Yeah, it was definitely a crazy one, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. other stages to review first, but we'll get to stage 21 yeah. at the end of this review. So we start off with stage 16. Uh, lots to talk about here. Uh, at the start of the stage, we were uh, shocked to hear the news about Nathan van Hooydonk. Uh, this obviously had a huge impact on the Jumbo Visma team. Um, the stage was a typical Vuelta hockey stick profile with an attack at the end from Vingigo. What did you guys think of that attack? Not too crazy. It puts Jumbo in a better position, to be honest. So, mm, yeah, nothing to worry about, in my opinion. It didn't come across as Vingo attacking Quiz? It could, but if you see how um, Vingegaard rode for, rode for, Kurt, uh, for Kuz uh, the days after, yeah, it just put Jumbo in a better position. Uh, also, a big risk to just thing that Kuz was going to hold on the third week was going to be the, the hardest week uh, for Kuz, so they couldn't fully trust him at the at the start of the third week, so just take some time in Jonas Roglic's position where possible, and when they saw Kuz uh, winning the Veltas really going to happen, they both wrote for him, so. I personally well, looking at the, the whole week uh, and it being called the, the toughest uh, of the three, I 
personally don't think that's true or maybe that's just how the race was written um but i, I don't think i saw Kuss in trouble in any of the stages except for when his own teammates rode faster than him uh how much time did he lose on riders that weren't Fingergo or Roglic barely anything if barely nothing anything. um it's uh, before the start of that stage Kuss had an advantage of 137 on Roglic and 144 on Um two of his teammates uh, the first non-teammate back then was Juan Ayuso on 237 so even Vinigo at that point the Jumbo Visma rider in third was a little bit less than one minute in front of him. So it wasn't really necessary for Jonas to attack, in my opinion. He only jumped his own teammate. Um, and it was Jonas who took some time on the opposition, but he already had a minute. And we saw how the shape of Jonas was going up um, through the Vuelta. He came better and better. So, in my opinion, it was an attack on Kuss. And yes, we saw them ride for Kuss in the last two mountain stages. But still, at that point, they both, Primoz and Jonas, wanted to win La Vuelta on their own, in my opinion. That's, let's also not forget that before uh, that stage, I think Maz and Ayuso both were in a, in a minute behind Roglic uh, and Vingegaard uh, before stage 16. So On if Kuz told... No, they weren't in a minute. Uh, right, I think was one minute were, behind Roglic. And uh, wait, uh, 16, around 50 seconds behind uh, Vingegaard. So the gap was 50 seconds. On yeah. the third. So that's... Jumbo. That's, that's just too dangerous. Like if Kuz totally correct only having 50 seconds for Vingegaard and one minute uh, for Jonas on Ayuso and Mas mainly Ayuso uh, is the guy who Jumbo was scared of they also said that openly uh, so it's not, not just me fanboying <laughs> to be clear um, and yeah Jonas just took a, a free minute or something I think like you just had to keep in mind that Kuz could crack. I, I always, I am going to be honest, I always thought Kuz was going to crack while being a Kuz fan. I, I said that I thought that Kuz wasn't going to win the world. I, uh, proved me wrong, which I'm very happy with because I love the guy. But yeah, it's just also a scenario which Jumbo definitely had in their heads. I disagree with the fact that you say Kuz received those minutes in GC. It was the sixth stage, if I recall correctly, and Jumbo played their card by putting Kuz in that break to make it hard. But I didn't say that Kuz. Well, you said uh, that he received the six minutes or the gap, the couple of minutes you mentioned that. When? Just now or another time? No, just now. Okay, I think I uh, said something wrong there because that's not what I meant. But that what you say is, is right. Jumbo just played that stage tactically perfect. That's not receiving time. Like they just yeah. And then he yeah, we're smart. He never lost time again on his other competitors except his teammates. Yeah. So 
true. I just, I just, uh, because I agree with you on that topic, like everyone is acting like Kuz received the Svelta, but if you count out uh, the time that Kuz, yeah, uh, took on the, on stage six, he still would have finished in third behind Jonas and Primos. Like, that's an amazing Vuelta. He just, he, he didn't just, it wasn't a gift, like, <laughs> he properly wrote for it. Yep. Um, maybe let's go on to the, to the next stage, to the mythical Angliru, uh, because it's, it's kind of a continuation of the same discussion. Um, Jumbo Visma controlled the whole day, uh, clearly wanted to race for the stage win, they also said that. Um, they managed that, and a, a bit more even as they performed another 1-2-3 finish. Um, but again, there was that uh, controversy about uh, Vingigo and especially uh, Roglic racing, which seemingly was against uh, Sepkus. Um, yep. I think Sepkus was really strong here uh, to, to hold on to his jersey, because for a minute, it did look like he was going to lose that jersey to to Jonas Vingo, who was following Roglic. Um, at that point, was it um, did Vingo make a mistake trying to like follow Roglic? Because I think there were already some agreements to let Kuss win the GC, uh, but Vingo seemed to well not think of it at the time and just follow Roglic. <sighs> It's difficult. The issue in that stage, the first issue is they were clear with the three of them, um, and Roglic decides to keep on the pressure. Why? Uh, a lot of different stories about that. But then Kuz cracks because of the Roglic pace, and then you have the. I have the feeling the the Primoz Jonas discussion is, is starting to get a little bit of a vendetta between them. The problem is Jonas didn't want Primos to win the Vuelta and that's why he f- followed Roglic on the Angliru in my opinion. Um, he was looking back at Kuz and he decided to stick to Roglic. I have the feeling it's Roglic Finnegard and that would have blown the chances of Kuz, but now Landa saved Kuz his Vuelta um, in that stage. Yeah, I think it's also yeah, it was... a, a beautiful thing that Kuz, uh, after the finish line, apologized to Landa for, for sprinting for the bonification seconds uh, to, to get that third spot. I think it uh, really shows the, the character that he has, uh, where otherwise he would have probably given that third uh, spot to to London, but now he had to fight for it to keep his jersey. And on this day, I agree that Roglic seemed to ride against Kuz. Like it wasn't the same situation as Jonas did the day before. It was an early attack. Kuz was safely in the group. That's another thing that Roglic properly dropping Kuz from a small group, like putting really putting Kuz into trouble. It was obvious that Roglic was just riding for his Svelta and he was probably hoping to drop Jonas too, which he obviously couldn't do, like Jonas was <laughs> nose breathing in his wheel <laughs> but also Jonas was uh, looking behind like Yves said, he was clear that he didn't want to leave Kuz, uh, Kuz behind but Rokic didn't even look back to, to Kuz, so yeah, that just said enough for me, to be honest uh, Obviously, Jumbo Visma has had quite a, a fairy tale of a Grand Tour season, uh, 
and especially this grand tour. Um, nonetheless, would you, uh, as a Yoba Vesma DS or, or manager, take uh, Rogolich, Fingo, and Kuss to the same grand tour again? Nope. Hmm. Yeah. I personally wouldn't. I think they're, uh, especially Vingo and Roglic, I think they're going to get in each other's way uh, because I don't think either of them wants to admit that the other one is stronger. Um, but that's, well, that, that's the impression I'm getting out of their, their interviews. Um, I don't think Vingo cares that much, but I think Roglic definitely does. Um, when he says uh, he's there to race, and he mm-hmm. has his yeah. his own thoughts on letting uh, Kuss win the GC. You know that that's not something you say when you're perfectly happy with it. Um, yeah, but you can also just say, okay, he's he's being honest about his opinions. That's also commendable, of course. But to be honest, Jonas is the guy who should say things like that. He was clearly the strongest guy of the, of the whole Vuelta. He's the guy who didn't win the Vuelta yet. Roglic has three uh, already, I think. So, like, if I'm in the position of Roglic, I have already, I have three, uh, three Vueltas already. I can change the career of the most loyal domestique on earth and change his career, or I can win a fourth. Like, I just don't understand how the guy can just not think it's okay and to, to just be happy for a good I think, we ha- I think we have to look to the bigger perspective of these things. Uh, Jonas and Primoz are at a different point in their career, but they both have the same goal, and it's to win the Tour de France next year again. Jonas is leader. He's double champion. He has to defend his title. Roglic wants to win the Tour for the first time in his career. Roglic is older. So he knows he doesn't have a lot of years left to go for it. The young guys like an Eute Brooks, like an Almeida, like a Lenny Martinez in a couple of years will get stronger and stronger. So it will, more, will be more difficult for the Roglic to win the Tour. And I had the feeling that this Velta, Roglic wanted to show that he can beat Vinigard in a Grand Tour. It didn't happen, but you saw till that only Rus stage that he did everything that he could to be the best Jumbo man and to show my name is Primos. I dropped Jonas. Don't forget me for the tour. And that's the feeling I I got. And that's why he kept on riding on Angliru and didn't care about Kus. He was just looking at his own career path for the coming years. I, I think you're right. Uh, I will forgive you for not putting uh, Remco or Yuso in that list of youngsters that you're uh, mentioning yeah. for to to mentioning win. Potentially win. And not those guys. Damn. I'll, I'll try to forgive you for that. Um, but I, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Personally, I wouldn't bring pretty much to the tour again next year. I see those as not compatible. Uh, of course, it worked out this time because See. they had. Uh, like Kuss to basically be the tiebreaker between them and be like, can we both be happy that this guy wins if <laughs> if none of us can win? And it's like, yeah, sure. Um, so I think that's just. But Roglic has a very big 
issue. Like, um, Dieter, what was your answer again on that uh, opening question um, of will Roglic leave the team at the end of the yes. season? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. And I have to agree with that because Vinigard has to go to the Tour 2024 to defend his title. If he wins, he needs to go in 2025. If he loses in 2024, he needs to go in 2025 to claim back his championship that he lost, his title that he lost the year before. So Roglic is never gonna be sole leader within that team anymore in the tour. And we know if Jonas has a good prep towards the tour, that he's always gonna be better than Roglic. I don't want to be rude or anything, but Jonas is the better Grand Tour rider than Primoz, so he should leave yeah, that team in 2025 when this is con- contract. Uh, end of next year, I believe, right? Uh, uh, end of 2025. Oh, another oh. year. So yeah, that's uh, how old is he right now? He's uh, 32, uh, three? 33. Uh, three, so uh, he will 34. Be so so oh, so that's quite. Old might actually to, be a career ending. Yeah. He might contract. go to Israel, uh, like from the ride on two million dollars, get fourth in Mercantour, the nice <laughs> life. <laughs> Make some promotion for Israel, visit Israel. <laughs> Maybe go to UAE, do the same. Uh, all right. Well, I think at the end of the stage 17, uh, something changed within Jumbo Visma. Uh, they definitely had a big meeting saying, okay, guys, yeah. attacking uh, Chris is done. He's going to win the GC, and we're going to keep it this way. Um, and I think in the, in the next stages, we definitely saw that uh, with uh, on uh, stage, what is it, stage 18, where Vingigo paced uh, Roglic paced for Kuss and then Fingo actually lost time on purpose to give uh, Kuss a little bit more of a, a leeway. Uh, I loved seeing that. It it might be unpopular to some of our listeners, but Vini got showed since stage 18 that he's the boss within Jimbo Visma. He said after stage 17, I want Kuss to win. And then in 18, he just rode at the front of the bunch till the last 500 meters and then dropped a couple of seconds to show everybody what he said the day before. And you saw in that stage that it, Roglic wasn't happy no. back then. He did what he was asked to do. But that was it. He was sitting in the wheel of Kuss, not smiling, just doing his job. But there you saw Vinigard as the the leader of Jumbo Visma the coming years. Yeah, it's also that perf- that perfectly makes sense, uh, considering the what they've achieved. Of course, Roglic has won multiple Grand Tours. Um, but if you have the, the double Tour de France champion saying, I want this uh, teammate to win the GC, and the only thing I need to do for that is lose some time on him, then let's do that. I think it was a, a beautiful ex- uh, show of him. Well, 
he's he's saying what uh, he thinks and then also goes and shows it on the road. Um, happens very rarely in cycling. Um, of course, uh, the stage uh, was won by uh, Remco Evenepoel, uh, four minutes ahead of Damiano Caruso, who said uh, some pretty amazing stuff about trying to follow Remco Evenepoel. It was basically like being behind a motorcycle. Um, yeah, I think uh, if in the last podcast I asked you, is Remco going to win another stage? Uh, yeah, he definitely wanted to win another one. Yeah. and. Uh, Possibly some more. He definitely tried a couple times uh, later on. Um, this was also was it the the really big break uh, stage? I'm not sure. Yeah. That break wasn't. Oh, the break was quite big, but it was really a stage that the front group exploded quite early. I think due to the work of. Yeah, with even Jonas and Soler. We're yeah. in the we're in a break for a for a moment here. Oh yeah. right, yeah. That was uh, Jumbo closed that for uh, for Kuz. Quite funny as well, to be honest. You're not in the break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was allowed to go on, to be honest. Um, all right. Do you guys want to mention anything about uh, Sage 18? Maybe I do want to mention the seventh place for Egan Bernal. I do think that was like a, a pretty hopeful moment uh, the time gap was significant he finished seven minutes after uh, Remco uh, but nonetheless it was it, nice seeing him it was hopeful but it was oh so sad to see um, I remember seeing that stage and I was quite hyped seeing in the break but then on the second or the third climb he was struggling to hold on with all respect in the world but to hold on to the wheel of Orsene. And we know what Bernal was capable of a couple of years ago. And to see him struggle on the uphill so bad, so much, it's it's painful. It's lovely that he was in there, don't understand me wrong, but I want to see him back competing for big wins and top five, top three in the Grand Tours. Winning will be very difficult. Because the guy did, doesn't really have a time trial. But yeah, I hope he can keep on progressing. Now it's end of the season. Um, he rode two Grand Tours this season. That's promising and very good as well. Let's hope he has a good winter right now. Mm-hmm. Do you actually Don't expect s- that he can come back to his old level, Dieter? Uh Yeah, I also wanted to say don't take... The level that uh, Bernal showed in the second half of the Vuelta as the level he's at right now, he just was completely dead. Uh, because in the first half of the Vuelta, he actually seemed to have pretty good legs, but he uh, always waited on Geraint Thomas, so he never uh, rose for a result himself. But otherwise, he would have uh, set some pretty uh, decent results in the in the first half of the Vuelta. Uh, and in Romandia on the Dion 2000, the where Poole also did well, uh, very high watts, so that was very promising. Uh, and I think the double grand, uh, grand tour, as Eve said, will be a good a good step in full recovery. And I think next year we'll see Bernal on his old level again, but it would it won't look like it is his 
old level because with his old level he's still going to get clapped by Pogacar, Vingegaard, Roglic, Ayuso. Is uh, no, no one mentioned no Ayuso. Ayuso. Yeah. Ah. yeah. I have difficulties with Ayuso after this field. You were hyping him up three weeks and I was waiting and betting and picking him and whatever. Like now it's Ayuso. <laughs> Go Ayuso. And time after time after time he drops. He won, I, I, he won the non-Jumbo uh, classification though. Yeah, you know what I mean. You expected more and, from him. Uh, don't don't forget that he crashed really hard in at one stage. I'm not going to say that did everything, but to what he did after that crash was pretty impressive, to be honest, because his back was, yeah, pretty fucked. <laughs> and but you expected that, more from him as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I I had him as my as my uh, pick for the win, so I obviously. Expected more. And I'm not going to to tell you otherwise. No, but it was yeah. I still am not fully convinced with that yeah. hype. But we also don't uh, uh, shouldn't forget that the guy had a knee injury until half March. I thought it mm-hmm. was enough time before the Vuelta that he was going. Yeah, I like hit like half a year to train, but maybe that had a an influence on his base level and with a good winner he'll be better next year yeah because i i really don't think this is a user's level a user's level is the next big thing and like in my opinion the only guy in the peloton at the moment who can beat jonas the coming years in the tour is he going to if there's no bad luck in for sorry is he going to the tour next year yeah, I use is going to the tour next year. What are they so, doing? Oh, Pogacar sure, then. Super domestic. Also, <laughs> also to the tour. Why not? And Adam Yates. <laughs> Adam Yates can uh, go ride Giro Vuelta uh, one week. Please. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, stage nineteen is uh, a redemption arc, also for Dieter, uh, who. <laughs> has uh, Alberto Dainese uh, as the fastest sprinter at his Giro and finally he got to prove it. He started his sprint out of position 2372 <laughs> still won the stage like if you the the listeners who uh, didn't uh, see from how far Dainese started sprinting please rewatch the last 500 meters and watch from how far Dainese starts his sprint. It's insane. He's sprinting like 10 seconds before uh, Ganna starts sprinting fully in the wind. Insane sprint. But it was uh, said that, yeah, Groves, like he didn't crash because he jumped over his bike, but he didn't uh, contest the sprint. So yeah, that's still like, yeah, Groves didn't contest the sprint. So it was like a Mickey Wouse win for Dainese. So you have that. So that's yeah, a pity. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to point out that Ghana's second place. Uh, it's starting to become a trend where uh, world-level TT guys are suddenly able to sprint. I think uh, what's Van Arsur has set the template for that, and Ghana is now following in it. Uh, also, Remco has suddenly a sprint since this year. Um, it, it's insane to see a big guy like that, really fast, long endurance, then suddenly being able to sprint. I think he showed it uh, in... Circuit de Wallonie or 
it was a a smaller Belgian race where he's won yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah 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 um, Tour de Wallonia yeah yeah so and then the, suddenly he's now doing French it at the Vuelta I just did not expect this in Tour de la Provence last year we saw the first uh, time Ghana contested the sprint I think uh, but yeah I didn't expect it either <laughs> and yeah Milan Sanremo was already impressive like just Cancellara style in the saddle won the sprint for second place if I remember correctly he rode away he rode away yeah but like it was really right it was like riding away in the sprint he just in the saddle just knocked him out of the wheel like it was with 500 meters to go I think a long sprint but it wasn't really riding away um and what you say about the time to list like um this the harder this, the tempo the last 5k's the better they do because like in the pure pure sprints it's hard because they don't have a high enough peak um but in, in hard in hard stages they just don't suffer and sprinters suffer so they can pull things like that but yeah don't expect Kung to <laughs> to be a uh, contesting a giro sprint because he's just so slow in a sprint that won't happen but it was quite interesting to see also Ineos committing to doing a, a lead-out. Um, I think they they messed up the lead-out uh, by doing the lead-out in the middle of the road, which allowed uh, well uh, people to get attacked from both sides. Um, but nonetheless, it, it was interesting to, to see Ineos try to do this. Do you think that in, in next Grand Tours, they will potentially bring someone with a little bit more leader experience for Ghana or are they just gonna do it like and basically use Ghana as a, a backup option option if GC doesn't work out? Going for a whole lead out for Ghana is exaggerating a bit I think but like maybe if two you riders. Have a, yeah if you have a good sprint fields sorry but Ghana won't be Anywhere, you know, the sprinters field in this Giro also was very meh, to be honest. So, yeah. The fastest guy of the world was here, but he wasn't positioning himself right, you know. Gaspar Phillips <laughs> wasn't here. <laughs> All right. Um, then we go on to stage 20. Um, stage one by White Pools after one hell of a sprint well or an attack i don't even think it was a sprint it was an attack at 600 yeah. meters to go or something yeah, uh, so instantly did, yeah. put a gap into the rest of the group um it was absolutely insane and also i just love seeing what pools win uh yep. it's one of those writers that i think everyone is a fan of how can you not be a fan of what pools uh, i'm just so so dominant sprint like the guy was changing the fields on his on his uh wahoo or carbon i don't know what quickstep uses but then uh pools launched uh and he, he already had a gap like if if remco was paying attention he probably would have won that so that's just i think he really was angry <laughs> after that one he could have used the buttons on his uh on his bars to switch screens but he prefers swiping <laughs> I think the, the new DI2s have buttons on the on yeah, there yeah, so yeah. they can switch screens. Um, also in this sprint, Palio Sanchez getting a third place. 
Yeah. This is one of the writers that for me was the discovery of like one of the discoveries of this Welta. Yeah. Really yeah. strong Welta for this guy. And I hadn't heard of it. 23 years old. Uh, I think he can go to a world tier, a world tour team next year and, and do quite well. He doesn't have a contract yet for next year. So um, nope. world tour teams snatch him up. I knew the guy from some results in Mickey Mouse races, like a small French race. And was it uh, is the the Spanish two or which Sepulveda one? I think. I think the uh, he Eve must got a good that. result there too. Come on. He yeah, finished eleventh like in the Grand Camino. Wait, uh, I'm going to take a quick. Otherwise. This year, um, the Trofeo Andrach is uh, quite a good result. Second place between uh, Horses and Van Aesfeld, uh, very ah. early in the season. It was a stage in uh, Vuelta Asturias. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a race that uh, Sepulveda won, but another small Spanish race. But like that's in small races. Now we he got uh, the day before uh, stage 19. That was I think he got like eight or something out of the GC group. And a day later, he got third uh, in in the break, in a, in a strong break group. There was a day in between. So, there was a sprint stage in between. Ah, but, ah, okay. Yeah, but still, yeah, amazing. Like, and that's another level level than Vuelta Asturias. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the, like, this stage uh, was, like, from the start, really fast. Uh, there was a, mm-hmm. a huge battle on the first climb. Uh, and over top, I think uh, about 31 riders uh, broke off, and and instantly became clear that uh, Yumbo was was not going to make it a GC day. They were just going to slowly let the brake go. They didn't just step on the the brake and just let them go. They just kept it at two minutes, two minutes and a half, and slowly let it go out. It ended up being at 11 minutes, uh, but they yeah. definitely didn't want to give other teams the the idea that oh yeah, we we just don't want it right today. And I think that was, was the right move. It was a very hard opening of the stage, but it was quite disappointing race for the most part, in my opinion. It was a, a break of 31, so that's the first peloton and the GC peloton behind that. Um, there were three, four, or even five pseudo quick steps uh, in that front group. Very well played. But then at one point they decided to just pick up the pace. So it was with Cataneo, Nox, Verwaker, who went to the front um, and even the pool as last man. And it was like a, a race in the peloton we saw again with the team controlling and waiting till their main man attacks. But it was actually quite surprising that it wasn't Ramco who exploded that front group. It was Pools who already attacked on the very steep um, last climb. And I had the feeling Evenepoel was a bit in difficulties, to be honest. He had difficulties following following the wheel of Cataneo for a, for a moment. And I had the feeling Pools, Van Eetveld um, and Soler were gone. Um, but then, like we know, Evenepoel never gives up and there is no one who can ride as fast on a bike on the flat. Then Remco, um, so he took a little bit more risks in the downhill and then closed that gap. 
but still we saw a tired Remco that stage um, yes he did a non- another crazy effort in the last stage that we're gonna talk about in a minute but still you saw into that third week um, that he's getting tired um, in this Vuelta and he won a stage and extremely strong third week I don't understand me wrong but his eyes were a little bit fatigued and yeah I had that feeling yeah but still yeah I think the the third week for Remco like he was basically on screen every stage I think the only stage that he wasn't was the the stage 19 the sprint stage that's his rest day and all the other ones he was in the well trying to be in the break or in the break and actually fighting for the stage win so yeah uh personally i, I want to say except for jonas vingo i think remco showed that he was probably the strongest rider in this race not for the gc but for the efforts that he did to win the stage like jonas the the efforts that he did to to win his stage or his two stages was it uh yeah, yeah two stages like those were like mount like just one attack on the last mountain to ride to the finish but like super impressive rides the the rides that remco did in the last week uh the last well week and a half the the time that he put into his his breakaway riders it's been insane like the the stage that uh he won was it stage 14 uh with bardet like there was 10 minutes on the peloton uh stage uh stage 18 was 11 minutes on the peloton uh and like all of his brake companions were four to seven minutes behind he just destroys these brakes i think it was just super impressive to look at yeah he he rode a very strong la Vuelta. um he had one bad day on the tourmalet or the stage to the tourmalet um, where he blew up his chances for the general classification, but he bounced back extremely strong. But however, the team has to look into the fact how did that bad day come? What's the reason of it? He's not sick, so that's already one reason they can scratch uh, of their list. Um, I saw a lot of things about his preparation as well that it's it was a little bit disrupted. Um, but I have to kind of disagree with that one. Um, yes, he got COVID in the Giro after his, uh, and that was his main target of the season. But after that, he made the switch to the Vuelta pretty soon afterwards. Um, mm. I think the big issue was trying to peak for the individual time trial in the Worlds and then going to the Vuelta. That's something not easy i think we talked about it uh, the last episode as well mm. you train in the, t- in the time trial on fast pace um the high gear just pushing um 50 k's an hour and then you have to make the switch in four weeks to climb high altitude climbs um and you can't do that i think um, not even even a pool yeah. exactly uh, in the whole year he's only raced one race not to win it and that was Sun Juan uh, all the other races uh, he rode there to win them so that was uh, UA Tour uh, Catalonia 
uh, Liège, the Giro, uh, Swiss. He actually wanted to win that one as well, right after coming out of the Giro. I don't really understand why, but uh, he ended up getting uh, a stage win there uh, anyway. Um, and then you have the, the Nationals, which he also wanted to win, uh, which he did. Uh, San Sebastian also wanted to win. Basically, every race he uh, wanted to race, he raced to win. And I, I don't think there are many other riders in the peloton that, that do this. Like you even have a, a Pogacar who's right now racing in Italy uh, for the, the one day classics in Italy. He's not racing them to win them. He's just racing them to just do some racing. Be ready for Lombardia. <laughs> yes. He's like, he's using races to build up form. Whereas Remco only races to win those races. I think that's, not something that's going to be sustainable for him towards the future. Uh, Remco mentioned he's going more towards the approach of Shumbo uh, for next season, more training on high altitude, less racing days and more training camp days. Um, I saw a poll on Twitter, um, or X, then apologies. Please keep calling it Twitter. It sounds so much better. <laughs> um, yeah. Do we want a Pogacar in Evenepoel to do what Jumbo Visma is doing to their Grand Tour riders and stick to one or two one-week stage races before before their big target? Or do we want to keep on enjoying us in the Tour of Flanders, in Liège? I mean, for, they, for the cycling fan, it, it's definitely going to be better if they also do the classics. Like, having the Pogacar... Uh, uh, Tour of Flanders, I mean, that's amazing to see. Uh, just every fan loves that. But in my opinion, Pogacar will be unhappy if he can't do those races. Like, imagine a Pogacar just prepping till July and only write one or two one-week stage races. The guy can't cope with that. I have this feeling, and I don't know. Ramco enjoys Liège. He enjoys uh, a one-day race in Belgium. Even is it Isaac Kurser, for example? He just demolishes the field and just says goodbye. Like you mentioned, he's racing every race to win. And yeah, I don't want him to do that. <laughs> I think um, Remco knows from this Vuelta that he has to be like a bit more like Jumbo. I think Remco is going for a combination of uh, like Pogacar and Jumbo style. Like he's going to do Liège and Milan Sanremo maybe. Um, like those things. Uh, but he isn't going to do Flemish races like Pogacar. So I think he's going to do like an Ardennes classic season and then just do like Dauphiné and Tour yeah it's just it didn't work out this for this Vuelta so why would you try that to for the Tour next year where the level is even higher but but also don't like uh, stay away of of like uh, uh, Liège sorry uh, and those races like do those have a break after uh, Liège like Pogacar normally does, yeah, he had to this year, uh, and then go via uh, Dauphiné to the Tour. That's 
and do Lombardia and World Champs and next year Olympics after the Tour? If I would be Remco, I would do my Tour de France prep in the Tour of Slovenia together with Pogacar. <laughs> Just less, have some fun with them. Imagine. And less pressure <laughs> because Dauphiné is a big race. And if you go to Slovenia, there is less press attention. But yeah, he will go to Dauphiné probably. He should go to Pro- the yeah. Dauphiné. Um, yeah. but I think if you have a race be... where you have Remco and Pogacar lining up, there will be press. The press goes wherever yeah, yeah, those yeah. two go. That's true. But I want to see him to, in Flanders as well. Remco. In the next couple of seasons. Not next season, because he needs to go to the Tour, according to every Belgian citizen. Um, and... That's from Lefebvre, apparently. He says, like, well, we'll see. Really? Oh, didn't read that. That's well, he, he was saying that if he wants to go to the Tour, he's going to have to make some changes. So that sort of sounds like, well... If he doesn't want to make those changes, he doesn't go to the tour. One of those changes probably is another um, manager. So Patrick Evenepoel isn't in the picture anymore. <laughs> well, that's another topic, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're already talking about the preview of the of the Tour de France 2024. We're still doing the review of the Volta 2023. So maybe let's uh, let's talk about stage 21, uh, which finished uh, earlier today. Uh, and again, we have to talk about Remco Evenepoel. We can't avoid him. Uh, he's unavoidable uh, this episode. Um, there was a... Well, basically, this is always the parade stage. Um, but once they turned onto the circuit, uh, there was a attack by Rui Costa with uh, Nico Dens and Leonard Kemner. Uh, they quickly build out 30 seconds. Uh, and then, uh, as Eve said, uh, Remco started making a little joke with Ghana. You want to go for an attack? And yeah, they went for it. Uh, so Remco went with uh, Caden Groves, Filippo Ghana, and two other Ineos riders. Was it Hajduk and Freya? Yeah, um, yeah. But those two quickly uh, had to drop off, which I thought was a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, those six then basically entertained us for the last hour. Uh, and in the end, Caden Groves was able to, to wrap it up. Uh, Partly thanks to, or well, mainly thanks to Remco going at 500 meters to go, uh, and then Caden Grove just sailing over the top. Dieter, give us data of Ghana, please. I don't think that's allowed. Oh, of Ghana? Yeah, he shared his what's on Instagram. Uh, The 47 minutes and 27 seconds deck. Um, Average watts. 440 normalized power 470 uh average speed 51.2 uh what's interesting to uh yeah that's uh yeah again interesting normalized power what was it normalized power please say it again 470 (laughs) on stage 21 of a grand tour and max max watts a thousand of four hundred and thirty-two watts, and he still got clapped by Groves. Like Groves was going ten k's an hour faster, so Groves put out huge power. And I think he's going to upload his power file, but yeah, he's still on the podium in Madrid. So I'll let I'll let the guy have that one. Do you have an idea of the weight of Ghana? Eighty-four kilos, because 
uh, is what's average 439 watts per kilo 5.23 and that's 84 kilos let's wrap up this episode (laughs) and cry in bed Ah, and by the way (laughs) uh, his intensity factor is on the picture uh, and that's um, your normalized power divided by your FTP or is it the other way around but it doesn't matter because it's 1.00 so that means his normalized power is equal to his FTP so the guy's FTP is 470 watts he can ride at 470 watts for a fucking hour (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I put out a tweet earlier today uh, saying if you're in a breakaway with Ghana and Remco you just have to hold on for dear life because that's gonna hurt. That's what Dan's did. Did you see? That's the guy with. You don't want to feel what Dan's did. The guy died 13 times and he still got third in the stage. Like, <laughs> he came from very far in the sprint. Like, Dan's is, is yeah, fucked. <laughs> end of end of week three, he did that. Uh, yeah. He's he's sleeping in for a for a long one tomorrow. I think some alcohol in the legs this evening. <laughs> That's going to hurt. <laughs> Definitely. Um, do you guys want to talk about anything else from this Volta? Kiam, Kiam, the border ah, yeah. issues. Yes, that it's... definitely needs to be discussed. Yeah. Kiam yeah. came to this Vuelta, his first Grand Tour, as a learning experience. Um, just see how it goes, see how the legs react on three weeks of pro racing on the highest level. Uh, well, we, what can we conclude? He was better than his team leader, Vlasov. Why isn't he in front in the general classification? First of all, he wrote a pretty poor time trial due to some saddle sore was one of the, the reasons behind it, probably. Yep. And in stage 20, um, he lost some time on that final steep ramp um, of the Vuelta and wasn't able to come back to the GC group. Um, why am I mentioning the trouble within the Bora team? Um, there was an attack in stage uh, 18 um, from Vlasov together with Dance, um, and it wasn't communicated um, over the team radio, so Kian was quite surprised um, and he mentioned he doubted it was the best move for them because it made the approach towards the final climb, climb harder than it should have been should have been for them um, so that's the first thing and then before stage 20 or after stage 20 he mentioned the, the vibes between him and Vlasov aren't great um, so that might give some issues um, for next season, as Kian will progress extremely, yeah, very much, um, because he's very young. Um, with the first Grand Tour in the legs, he will only explode in performance. Um, and then Vlasov um, has to look behind his shoulder or in front of him, of, in front of him to, uh, to see Kian. Because yeah. that and leader status within Bora is changing sooner than expected. 
and Kian also said that he hopes this performance, uh, yeah, his performance in the Vuelta, uh, made clear to Bora and other teams what he can do. Like saying that in the interview is basically, uh, yeah, that's inviting writing. agents from uh, other teams. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and wow, well, to be honest, if, yeah, he still has yeah. his contract for next year, so he's definitely staying there next year. Yeah. Um, but have they said yet uh, if they're taking him to the tour next year or are they just doing another Giro of Vuelta? Uh, he is doing Giro of Vuelta next year. Uh, again, one Grand Tour, no, not both. Okay. Well, but he but asked, him, asked it himself, I think. He doesn't want to go to the tour yet. Um, if I read that article correctly, he wants to be prepped in the perfect way before he starts to tour, a little bit like Remco is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, in his current form, do you rate him higher or lower than uh, Hindley? Lower. Lower now, but higher um, at the end of next season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. If One that's last all. thing. Oh, I already wanna create a new hashtag because we mm-hmm. saw an extremely strong Mika Lamba in the last week. So I'm reviving the hashtag Free Lamba for next season. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so London's going to uh, fill quick up next season to ride for Remco Evenepoel, not to attack him. Um, but London has. I mean, Landa has been extremely strong. Uh, how he rode on Angliru, I I haven't seen that from him in a while. Uh, he clearly felt very strong. The whole Bahrain team was super impressive on Angliru. Um, yeah. With what Pulsar and the Bahrain doing. team in general the last week with Pools and Tidari, yeah. uh, Caruso, yeah. they all rode uh, very strong yeah. in the last week. So Didier is tired, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's almost, it's almost uh, his bedtime. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's way past my bedtime. <laughs> For audience, we're recording this at 9 p.m. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's then a wrap for today's Domestic Cycling Podcast. A big thank you to our audience for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, consider supporting us on Ko-Fi or X still feels bad to say Uh, and if you're on youtube hit subscribe and turn on notifications we appreciate your support and look forward to see you next time bye-bye bye-bye i've got the sparse the sickness there's the twins in my brain